Today we continue our deep dive series by talking about Tarek Skubel and his future. Hear me out, okay? As well as Miguel Diaz after an impressive September call-up. We also discuss some coaching changes that have happened. Some actual news out of Tigersville. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Alrighty, well, we are back. Hope everyone is having a fantastic week so far. So uh, a little bit of news, actually, to discuss, which is a rarity. We haven't had news to discuss here in uh, in a few weeks. It's been a while, right? Uh, but we do have some news to discuss, and... Then we're going to get back into our deep dive series, talk about Tarek Skubal, as well as Miguel Diaz. Miguel Diaz, a really, I think an eye-opening September uh, is the word, I is the phrase that I want to use. And then Tarek Skubal, I know everybody, you, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, you see you see the uh, the itinerary. Everybody, you know, I, I planted the seed of like, is Tarek Skubal going to get traded like six months ago? And it's still very much a talking point, so we will discuss it, okay? I promise. Well, I can't promise you anything, but uh, I I hope, I'm, I'm fairly confident, I'll put it that way, that, uh, that you're going to understand a little bit where I'm coming from here. But let's start off with some coaching changes, okay? We're not going to go through all of them uh, because there were actually quite, not coaching changes, but personnel changes, we'll say, uh, kind of across the organization. Uh, this is all reported by and straight from an article that Evan Petzold of the Detroit Free Press wrote and published on Tuesday. It is a fantastic article, as Evan is one of the best in the business, fantastic human being as well. Um, and yeah, so go check out that article, please. Go check it out, read it. Uh, he goes really in-depth on the relationship between some of the people that we're going to talk about here in a second. And then he goes through and highlights every single personnel change in the organization down to like, like borderline, like janitors. Like it's like, he goes crazy in depth. Um, and, and again, Evan's one of the best in the business. So, uh, but yeah, there, there's some, some very, very specific, we'll call it personnel changes that are happening uh, throughout the organization. So more turnover in the Scott Harris era. I know it's not, you know, like the big news that like manager or like something of that nature is going to be talked about out at the national level, at least, but it's still very important. And it's still uh, kind of a, 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 I don't know, a billboard or like a, like it's a, it's a, it's a move that highlights that changes are, are here and that the Scott Harris era is still turning and we're still turning over into officially being in his era. But the big one that happened on Tuesday was uh, it sounds like Tigers first base coach Alfredo Amazega uh, is not going to return. Um, former player, by the way, uh, pretty, pretty solid defensive center fielder. Now teammates with Miguel Cabrera at one point back when they were Marlins, but 
Yeah, you know, Amezaga, I always struggle I always struggle saying his name. Um is uh is not going to return was the first base coach this year. You know, I, honestly when talking about the turnover and about what we were kind of expecting, I guess you could say, from a, a turnover from a coaching perspective going into next year. I wasn't expecting there to be a lot. So uh, the fact that we have, and not that first base coach is like making or breaking the team's success necessarily, but I didn't expect a whole lot. Uh, and Evan highlights in this article, you know, talks about how he doesn't expect uh, any changes to the pitching or hitting coaches uh, and certainly we're not expecting a turnover from AJ Hinch in the managerial position either, but um, definitely an important thing. Uh, someone who's, who's a prominent part of the coaching staff. Uh, and then as far as a replacement, it's being reported again by Evan Petzold of the Freep that Gabe Alvarez is someone that the Tigers have expressed interest in to replace him. Alvarez, if you are unaware, is the Erie Seawolves manager and just one manager of the year. Uh, I want to say Eastern League Championship and was the 2023 Eastern League Manager of the Year. So that'd be kind of cool in-house, a uh, guy that's been getting a little bit more attention from elsewhere in the organization as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm cool if that's the direction they want to go. We'll obviously keep a, a pulse on the situation and until we find out who is going to be the replacement. But that's where it stands right now. So the Tigers no longer... Uh, are going to have Amezaga as the first base coach. And it looks like Gabe Alvarez is the front runner, but that has not been official yet. So there you go. There's your update for the Tigers coaching staff. Let's get into Tarek Skubal, who had an absolutely phenomenal season for the Detroit Tigers in 2023. Uh, his final line would be, he led the team in F4 for starters at 3.3 in only 80 and a third innings. That is remarkable. You know how astoundingly, that's not even a word, good you have to be to lead the team in F4. He had 3.3 F4, Eduardo Rodriguez, and 152 and two-thirds was the second best pitcher on the team in F4 and had three wins. So he comfortably had more value than Erod in almost half the innings. That's astonishing. That's, that's remarkably good. His final line would be a 2.8 ERA, a 2 FIP, flat, 2.00 FIP, 2.28 expected ERA, and 2.56 expected FIP for all those people that like the expected stats and uh, and whatnot out there. But the ERA was 2.08, he or two yeah, 2.80 rather, uh, big difference there. Uh, like I said, 80 and a third innings, had 11.43 K per nine, 1.57 walk per nine, and less than half a home run per nine. He's phenomenal. And I guess we can just kind of start with how phenomenal he is. I guess that's a fine place to start, right? Like, just talk about how elite of a pitcher Tarek Skubal has uh, very quickly become. I, I encourage you to go look at Tarek Skubal's Baseball Savant page. I, I, I encourage you. That's your homework because it's phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's a lot in 94th percentile and better pretty much across the board. And he only threw 80 in a third innings. So he doesn't quite have the, uh, the innings pitched that a lot of like the starters that pitched a full, full season have. He's nowhere close to those. Like we said, 
about half the innings, a little bit more than half the innings that Erod had, and Erod even missed, you know, a month or six weeks of the season. Um, but Scooble, man, a hundredth percentile and expected ERA, <laughs> like that—that's nuts, right? That, one of the best expected ERAs in the game of baseball. 95th in expected batting average, uh, 91st percentile in chase rate, 85th in whiff rate, 96th in K rate, 96th in walk rate, 94th in barrel rate. Like you go down the list, it's pretty much every stat except for the only two that he wasn't like elite in were um, the like exit velocity type of numbers, right? So you start talking like average exit velocity, 61st percentile, hard hit rate, 41st percentile. Okay. And those were the the only two that weren't like at least 80 or above, if not like 90, 95 and above. Uh, but it's not that big of a deal because we talk about launch angle all the time. His launch angle was the best of his career comfortably. That The average launch angle against Tarek Skubal was 8.7 degrees. That's remarkably low. That's four degrees, a little bit over, four degrees lower than league average. So he's getting a lot of ground balls. We talk about his fastball and his sinker and how he's able to induce a lot of ground balls. The the fact that he is in the 87th percentile in ground ball rate while being in the 96th percentile in K rate is, is and 96th percentile in walk rate against, by the way. I mean, what else do you want? I'm going to get super nitpicky and talk about why he's not like the most perfect pitcher ever. After, we'll talk about one more thing I want him to improve in. But as a whole... I don't even really have too much else to say. We all are very aware he was quite literally one of the best pitchers in the entire game of baseball from his injury to the end of the year, and he deserves a ton of credit. Okay, let's keep the ball rolling. We're going to continue talking about Scooby, obviously, but first I got to tell you all about our friends over at Jace Medical. Jace Medical is clutch, really. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customability over your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Uh, they also have gift cards. You can buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. Go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to your segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all. For tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Recapping a couple more, deep diving on a couple more players, I should say. I'm just so used to saying recap. You know, I'm so used to it at this point. Um, so let's talk about Tarek Scuba. Let's continue the conversation there. Completely lost my train of thought there for a hot second. Um, so we talked about the repertoire. We talked about... Okay, I have no idea what just happened, but my recording stopped, and now it's starting again, so we're just going to roll with it and hope that it doesn't look terrible or sound terrible. Um, so, Scooble, we, again, we, we've highlighted 
how phenomenal of a season he had. Uh, the the pitch mix is elite. Uh, four seam fastball, thirty six percent of the time. Change up, twenty four and a half percent of the time. Slider, twenty and a half percent of the time. Sinker, twelve point two percent of the time. And a curveball, seven percent of the time. Because why the heck not? So uh, you, you're talking about a guy that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, that fastball, it, it, the fascinating thing about it is. A, as a hitter, I don't think, and I haven't heard a hitter comment on this. This is just like my eye test from my couch, which could be totally off base. But um, I don't think anybody knows the difference, if you're in the batter's box, between his four-seam fastball and his sinker, like his two-seam sinker pitch. Um, And I think that that's absolutely deadly because he throws the sinker, two-seam or whatever you want to call it, all over the strike zone, but he only throws the four seamer up in the strike zone, right? So like that sinker is, is a lot less of a swing and miss pitch. It's comfortably the lowest whiff rate of all of his repertoire. Whereas the four seamer has a over 25% whiff rate, which is, you know, for as four seam fastballs go, not bad, a K rate of 37 and a half percent. So he's consistently able to get strikes with it. And his numbers against both of them are, are remarkable. Like any time he's throwing, his fastball's so good. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, so it, it's it, it's just a matter of for pitch mix sake, for pitch mix sake. Wow. Uh, say that 10 times fast. The fact that he can throw that sinker with confidence anywhere and then also follow that up with really only throwing the fastball belt high and up. He doesn't really throw the fastball low too terribly often, but he'll throw the sinker low. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think he's been able to get so many ground balls now. It's because that that pitch mix of, okay, if this is the fastball, I'm going to try to turn on it. Oh, it's the sinker, and the sinker could be anywhere. The fastball is only going to be up, and you're going to swing right through it. You are not making contact with 99 up and in if you're a lefty or uh, 99 up and away if you're a righty, okay? It's not happening. And the fact that he can just bounce that off with an elite sinker is remarkable. Um, the one, the one, and I, I truly mean one, okay? And this is, I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer. It's just like my job to <laughs> talk about like everything, okay? So I promise I'm just I'm just trying to pay rent. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk, okay? Um, the one thing, that I would say next season I would like to see him improve on is just the, I don't even word it. It's the, the breaking ball effectiveness, but it's, that, that almost sounds like it's, it's not doing it justice. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the slider and the curveball could be better. Uh, his four seam fastball is elite numbers against it. 206 average against sub 300 slug against. We already talked about the swing and miss stuff. Change up. Again, 167 batting average against 205 slug against. That is remarkable. That that's vomit inducing, disgusting. Okay, phenomenal. Um, sinker. We already talked about 229 average against 286 slug against. No one can get under his his two seamer and, and lift it. No one gets extra base hits off it. Fantastic. Okay, all of that's great. The curveball 143 average against. Obviously, that's phenomenal. The slider 224 average against. Okay, that's not. That, that's obviously not bad. That, that That's more than fine. 448 slug against. No other pitch in his repertoire even has a slug in the 300s. Nonetheless, in the 400s, and a 450 is like, that's like a, that could be like a 20 home run a year hitter. Like, that's not like nothing, okay? And I, I 
I think that all it is is just he's a lefty and he wants to be able to throw the slider against righties and lefties, but that's very difficult at the major league level. And so I think that that is just a, like his slider against righties, okay? 289 batting average against, 553 slug against. Those are the slider numbers against righties. The slider numbers against lefties are 100 batting average against, 250 slug. So you get my point? I don't, honestly, man, it's it's very difficult for me to say this because I think the slider is such a good pitch for him. I don't want him to just like not throw it against, you know, two thirds of the people he faces. However many more, you know, righties are in the world than lefties. Um, someone much smarter, smarter than me knows the answer to that. But I think that... It, like it's 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 like teetering on that. Like again, like that two ninety almost batting average against and a slug in the five fifties when he throws the slider to righties. Like that's not nothing. That's a lot. That that's that's those are good hitting numbers against right. So that's my only that's my only gripe with his season. And like if if he just stops doing it altogether, I don't know if that kind of messes with his pitch mix and his repertoire so much that like. Like you want that in the mix because you want to keep hitters on their toes. Um, but also just like looking where most of the sliders he threw this year end up. If you just look at like heat maps, kind of like what we did on yesterday's show. Um, who was that with? I've already forgotten. Anyway, um, it, it's a lot of low and away to lefties, which makes sense. But if you start lifting that up or if you don't hit that corner, uh, which is which is what? Glove side for him as a lefty. Right, if you don't hit that that glove side low corner, um, you you're gonna hang sliders to righties, and they're gonna turn and burn. Um, and his changeup is all in that arm side low and in, which is because he throws it a lot to righties. That so that's my only gripe is the slider. I think should be better against righties, and if you can't figure out how to make it better against righties, I think you have good enough stuff where you don't necessarily need it, brother. Like, I don't want you to just be like a two-pitch pitcher against right. I guess it's more of like three at the curveball, maybe even four. Like, you're not really limited to like, oh, I'm only going to have one or two pitches if I get rid of that. Like, and, and it's such a good pitch. And that's why I, I'm, as you can tell, still having a debate in my head going back and forth about it because it, it's so good and it's fast and it bites and it has great shape and it has fantastic break. Um, I think that that's the test for the off season. If they can figure out a way to make his slider, not even at like, I don't need a 100 batting average against the slider for righties, but if he can just lower that slug to the three hundreds and keep the average, you know, low, you know, not two eighty nine, but like, if he can just improve that a little bit against righties, I think we're, we're talking about a guy who, I mean, seriously, like if he stays healthy, he's probably going to be in the Cy Young, at least conversation. Not that he's going to win it or anything. I'm not like that bold to proclaim that on air. Um, but like getting down ballot votes, right? Oh, you know, I'll give you a 10th place vote for Cy Young. Like, I think we're entering that conversation with Scooble. He's an unbelievable talent. This team is so thankful to have him. And I'm glad that he's a Detroit Tiger because he, I think he he is the one at the major league level, that is like the ace going forward. And that's super exciting. We haven't had like a clear bona fide one of those in a, in a while. Okay. 
We'll talk about the, the trade thing, okay? And then we'll talk about Miguel Diaz. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. We talked about FanDuel at the beginning of the show, and it's there's never been a more exciting time to join the FanDuel team because October baseball is back. And you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you join today, you can get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just, excuse me, just visit. Goodness, had a hard time getting the word just out there. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. And then you can get in on the action from first pitch until the final out. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, you can predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. Game seven, I'm recording this strategically uh, at uh, like 7.45-ish so that I don't miss A, the Red Wings game, but B, game seven. Uh, So that's a a fun, you know, playoff baseball is really fun to make those quick bets with. So head over to FanDuel.com slash Lockdown right now and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, everybody, welcome back. Your third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, so talking about Tarek Skubal, I'm going to say this once. We're going to get through it really quickly, and we're not going to spend too much time on it, okay? Every time I say that, it doesn't end up coming true, so we're going to try to actually hold to true, true to it. I am not advocating to trade Tarek Skubal, okay? All I was ever trying to say was when he was coming back from injury, he was in his third season. He had an injury problem in every season, And if some team was offering you, and again, this was also a take from like four or five months ago. Not that I like separated myself from it. I've continued to bring it up, but that's kind of where it originated. And it was uh, very much along the opinion of like, if some team offers you three top hitting prospects for this guy, you kind of have to listen. Um, I genuinely think that Tarek Skubal pitched so well that that's not a conversation anymore. And that's why this isn't a quick conversation because I'm not arguing with you anymore that it's like, oh, we should trade him. Um, um, It would have to be a haul. I I still think if someone walked up to you and was like, hey, here's three top 10 prospects. I don't even know if there's a team. There's probably not uh, a team out there that has like three of the 10 best pinning prospects in baseball. But like in theory, if that were possible, then you would of course have to listen, right? Or if the Orioles offered you one of their like elite elite prospects, you would, of course, have to listen just because mathematically a guy who plays every day is, is going to be more valuable than a guy who plays once every five days. But, and you need offense. But I think Scooble pitched so well that I don't think the market that I thought was creatable back when he was first coming back from his injury exists anymore. It is, the price would be astronomical to the point where I don't think any team would make sense to do it. And I don't think it would make sense for the Tigers to do it either. I want to make that very clear. This is not just, oh, no other team will do it, but they should still try. I don't think it makes as much sense for the Tigers anymore either. Um, I think you have a potential ace on your hands. And that's super exciting. It's super scary because I hope he stays healthy because if he, well, we're not even going to go down that road. Hope he stays healthy. We're just going to say that. Hope he stays healthy. Hope he stays healthy. Um but yeah, I, 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 that's why this isn't a super long conversation is because I'm, I'm not going to come on here and be like, you guys just don't get it. Like you need to trade this guy. Um, I, it was, it was one 
opinion that uh, I had when he was first coming back from injury. I never expected him to pitch as well as he did. I don't think anyone did. You know, obviously, you know your expectations when he came back from injury to each their own. Uh, if, if you thought that he was going to be like uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball coming off of a year long injury, then more power to you. I'd like some lottery numbers, but like the, the, he he blew past everybody's expectations to the point where this guy is your ace on opening day next year. And you're really effing pumped about it. Okay, cool. Let's talk Miguel Diaz really quickly. Uh, the reason why we're saying, saving this for the end and why it's not a super long conversation is because unfortunately Miguel Diaz did not pitch too terribly much uh last season but in the limited time he did have he was absolutely phenomenal okay uh miguel diaz in just 14 innings had a 0.64 era a 10.29 k per nine a 3.21 walk per nine and did not allow a single home run all year had a whopping 92 percent left on base percentage obviously that is not even remotely close to sustainable um but miguel diaz was great and i think some interesting points I have. One point made by, again, Evan Petzold and Mark Gorosh, uh, the two hosts of Days of Roar. Um, a, a point that I had while talking with uh, with Mark at one point was, you know, situationally, when you just look at who, at in what situations A.J. Hinch was using Miguel Diaz later in the season, you got the sense that he had some confidence in him. He was an opener. He was pitching high leverage. Uh, I, I liked that. And it kind of turned into like half of a meme at some point like that. I was just like this huge Miguel Diaz fan, but I'll be darned if he didn't keep pitching so darn well. Right. So I don't feel bad about it. Certainly. I feel actually pretty darn good about it. Given his final numbers there, he he has the stuff and uh, like he has a sinker that I think is solid. Uh, he's really a against righties. He throws sinkers and sliders against lefties. He throws changeups and four seam fastballs. Okay, so he has four pitches, but he uses two and two based on the handness of the hitter. Um, I think, and we started, we saw it a little bit toward the end. Okay, a little bit. I think his changeup is genuinely one of the most disgusting changeups I've seen. Um, I, I I would like to see him try to throw the changeup against both handness. I I really would. I would like to see him try to throw the changeup uh, against more righties. He, again, we saw it a little bit at the end of last year. Like he didn't throw a, a single sink sink. Wow, a single sinker to a lefty last year. He threw fourteen changeups to righties, um, but much more to lefties. So. I think it's good enough to where he can pull that off. The slider, I want it only against righties. The sinker, I want only against righties. And the forcing fastball, I want only against lefties. But, like, all of his numbers were great, dude. And it's a 14-inning sample size. So, like, that's why this isn't, uh, 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 you know, most of these I've tried to split in half or at least do two segments, one segment. Miguel Diaz, unfortunately, in 14 innings, isn't going to get much more than just, like, the final segment here at the end of the show because we don't have enough of a sample size. But, like, this is a guy that got sw- had swing and miss stuff in Toledo and got called up, and that translated really well. The changeup specifically, I'm going to keep citing. I think it's a plus-plus pitch. I love Miguel Diaz. I was screaming from the rooftops for this dude to make the Major League roster in March when he ended spring training with a zero ERA, and uh, he didn't, and I was really frustrated by that, and then I was even more frustrated that he didn't get a single look until September call-ups, and now you're in a weird situation where like, what do you do? I think the coaching staff liked him. He's going to be 29 years old next year. He, uh, he turns 29 here over the off season in, uh, in November. 
I I think you're at a you're at a weird spot, man. Like, does he have any options? He has no options left. Oh, that that breaks my heart. So here's here's what I'm thinking with no options left. I'm thinking. I don't think he's gonna make it through the winter on the forty man. I don't. What I think they'd probably try and do is put him on waivers, remove him from the forty. Hope that no other major league team wants to put him on their 40 and then re-sign him to a minor league deal so he can stay within the organization. And then in the spring, he can compete for a bullpen job in spring training with a lot of the other players we've been talking about are going to be in that mix. Brendan White to the world, et cetera, for that last uh, or one of those last couple rather bullpen spots in the spring. That's what I hope because I want this dude in my organization next year. I, I I really like Miguel Diaz. I like the stuff. He's got some command stuff to work on. Uh, anytime you have a, a pitcher who's four-seam fastball is like his third or fourth most thrown pitch, that always kind of is a little bit of a red flag because you're like, eh, you need a established most. There's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, you need an established fastball. But he has the sinker, and that he does throw all the time, and that is established, and, and it was really good. It didn't get swing and misses, but it's a sinker. It's not going to. It got a lot of ground balls, and he was clutch with it. So um, – I, I think age is not against him. The MLB options are not against him. Uh, unfortunately, it's just a position where it's going to be tough to like guarantee him a spot in this organization in the spring uh, and give him that opportunity to uh, to make the team out of camp next year. But I really hope that they find a way to do so um, because I, I really liked what I saw. And it's again, it's 14 innings, and in AAA, he had an ERA of like over five, or maybe it dipped below five at the very very end there. But like. He, he, and AAA this year was also a launching pad. Like offense in AAA was astonishingly high. Like you could have an 800 OPS. You were like, oh, you have an 100 OPS plus. Like it was it, AAA, especially in, in certain leagues in AAA were, were launching pads. So um, I, I didn't take too much there. I liked the strikeout numbers. I liked the swing and miss stuff. And it translated to the major league level. And so um, we'll see what they do with them. But as far as 2024 roles for both of these guys, we just kind of talked about Miguel Diaz. Just don't really have too much else to, to add there. And Tarek Skubal, we kind of talked about as well, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I, I again, in no way, shape, or form am I saying you put Tarek Skubal on the trade block. I'm very tired of reading that I did say that. Um, I, I guess I, I have the memory of a goldfish. Maybe I did say that at one point a few months ago, but certainly not anytime soon. And, uh, and, and this is my official take now, okay? So from here on out, we can we can just talk about uh, the the future plans of of Tarek Skubal. I, I and again, like I don't uh, I don't like think I was wrong or anything. Like I'm not trying to shy away from what I said. I I, I meant it. I, I still believed it at the time. It's genuinely he pitched so good that it, like he, yeah, like he just pitched so well. You can't you, you can't trade that. You know what I mean? Like if he had like a three seven ERA and we were like, ah, oh, he's been hurt a lot. His ERA was pushing four. The stuff maybe wasn't as good coming back from injury. I I would probably still be preaching you the same thing I said when he was coming back from injury. But now, uh, this dude's stuff is better than it ever was pre-injury. Um, it is electric. He's he's pumping a hundred in the sixth and seventh innings. Uh, he, he has like four plus pitches and five total pitches that could all be plus pitches. That's your ace in twenty twenty four, baby. That's your ace. And that's so exciting because what a dog he is. Love me some Tarek Scoobal. All right. 
I think that's all I got. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow talking about a few more players, a couple more players, uh, unless any more news comes out of Tigersville, which, uh, again, a little bit a little bit of news today. So, um, yeah, I'll see you all then, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers.